0: stagnant. We don't want to be standing still in these last days. We want to be working for the kingdom of God by your spirit. So move in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So conversational evangelism. We're going to talk about four conversation essentials, okay? We're going to talk about love. What is love? How do I love others? Um, What's the difference between God's love and, and just worldly love? Faith. Do I have faith to believe God's word, not only for salvation, but also for motivation, right, to get out because he told us to go. Uh, boldness. What is boldness? A lot of people have misconceptions about boldness, and we'll talk about that as well. And then obedience, um, obeying God, right? If you love him, you'll obey him. So we're going to go through those, each one. And the first one is going to be love, and Erica is going to come up and share it with you guys.
1: Hey, guys. Oh, hello. Okay. That's nifty. All right.
2: <laughs> Hello? Oh, there we go.
1: I, I think we got... Oh, there we go. Okay, guys. How are you guys doing? going to try and set my fat Bible there. All right. So, um, yeah, so you guys are doing good. That's awesome. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about love today, and basically that is to love God and love others. And I think this is something that we hear a lot, um, but we don't necessarily know Really, what it means? We don't we don't have a good grasp on it. Um, So we're going to look at some verses, and um, so I'm going to pull that out of my Bible here. Try to do it. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew 22, uh, 37 through 40. All right. Verse 37. And he said to him, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul." And with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So basically what that's saying is everything that we do, think, say as a Christian, it all rests on this right here, to love God and to love others. Everything else is incorporated in that. Um, I think that it's good for us to look at some other verses as well, because that's, you know, we can kind of be like, Oh, okay, love God, love others. But still, we do we have a grasp on it? Um, So the first verse we're going to look at is 1 John 4, 7 through 9. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Uh, So basically what this is saying is that God is love, right? He demonstrated his love towards us by coming and sacrificing himself for us, and so it's from that place that we're able to love others, right? It should compel us to love. In, in, in uh, John seven thirty eight, it says that it flows from us like a river of life. It should be just a natural response to what he's already done for us. And it says in this verse, whoever does not love does not know God. So to know God is to know love. And to have God in you is to have love in you, right? So if we don't have that, if we're not loving people, I think we need to ask ourselves, where's God in me, Right? Do I really have a right relationship with him? Is he working through me to let that love just flow out of me? Um, so I'm going to go right here. So the greatest way you can love someone is to tell them about Jesus. And what this makes me think of is, yeah, he, he demonstrated his love for us on the cross, but he also demonstrated his love for us by giving us his word, right? He was the first one to tell us about Jesus, to love us in this great way. He wrote a love letter to us in his word, and now we can go out and share that love letter with other people, Right? Also, love can penetrate the hardest of hearts, okay? So you think about back before you were a Christian, your heart was hard, right? And you could have been good. Like my own personal testimony, I was pretty good by the world standards before I knew who God was, but I was still had a hardened heart towards him because I did not know him. I didn't have his love in me. And there may be somebody that you're thinking of right now that you're like, I don't know. There's... Erica, they, they kind of, they just, they're so resistant. Oh, they have a hardened heart. I don't want to share with them. But you know what? God can snatch them up too, just like he did with you, right? And so we're going to have a video, um, and I think it just really showcases that so perfectly. Uh, it's a guy named Penn Jillette, uh, of Penn and Teller. He's a magician, and he's also really w- well known for being an atheist. Um, but you just, you see in this video, love was shown to him, and it penetrated him, and, it, and it's amazing.
3: But...
4: At all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not in the eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling this because it would make it socially awkward. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah amen right <laughs> um it's so we see in this video we had our fellow brother in the lord right when this video was made and he he went to his show he he came to him afterwards he complimented him he just kind of just sparked up a conversation with him and was like hey I'm, I'm not crazy but i just i wanted to give you this bible and he was looking him in the eye and he was he was just really just genuine the love just flowed through him there was it was just a simple thing just going to talk to him hey I have love that I'm going to give you right now, and and you see that Penn was just touched by that. The love penetrated him. I mean, he's an atheist. He wants nothing to do with God. He totally rejects him. But in this video, you see, oh, it was it was really wonderful, right? He was he was touched and inspired by that. And I think it's crazy. Like he's he's an atheist. Like I don't want anything to do with God. He really just so has a hardened heart. But even he is able to see the importance of sharing our faith. It's like. <laughs> he almost has more conviction for evangelism than a lot of us Christians do at times. It's crazy. Like, he's convicting me, and he doesn't even know Jesus. He doesn't even have the love of God in him. Like, what? But, you know, it's it's just amazing because it's, he says, like, it's more important than if, if a truck was coming at somebody, you know, like, saving somebody's life. And we think of that as a big deal, but this is more important than that. Sharing your faith with people is more important than that. And it says how much you have to l- hate somebody to not share with them, Right? I mean, that just blows my mind to think about how many times God's told me to go, and I've just been like, ah, it's going to be socially awkward. I don't know, I'm feeling, I kind of want to do this other thing. I'm being lazy, whatever, and I just ignore it. And I think a lot of us do that. We are not, I mean, he said 5%. We are not sharing our faith enough, guys. But it's, we have to ask ourselves, all right, if God is in me, if God's love is in me, why am I not doing that? And I would encourage you guys, like we're going to have somebody else come up, but I would encourage you guys, even after service, to really wrestle with that. Where is God's love in me? Why is it not flowing through me? If I'm not sharing my faith, where is it? Why is it not happening? I need to, I need to talk to God about this. I need to allow this conviction to really penetrate me so I can go out and do what I need to do as a Christian, right? But uh, we're going to have Kelsey come up. Yeah, she's going to share about faith.
5: Thanks, Erica. She's just amazing, very loving person. She practices what she preaches. So the next important thing, the essential that we're going to talk about is faith. So faith in what exactly? If you believe in God and his word, you will tell others. The Bible specifically says go and tell all the nations, every single nation, including ours, what I have told you, the things that I have taught you, were to make disciples. And the first way to make disciples is to evangelize and bring someone to Jesus. Um, but exactly what are, we, what, what are they being saved from? The Next question, do you believe that when a person dies without faith in Jesus Christ that they go to hell? This is something that we Christians don't like to talk about. You know, we don't want to scare them into heaven. But if, um, you know, if Jesus died on the cross and there was no hell, what exactly is he saving us from? Um, so if hell doesn't exist, there's nothing really that I need to be saved from, so people need to know that there is consequences for their sin, and ultimately, that is eternal death, and honestly, it's fire, (laughs) gnashing of teeth, the Bible says, we don't want to think about this weightiness, but people are headed there, and I can bet you that, like, with the 7 billion people in the world, and say, like, 20% are actually truly saved Christians who have a relationship with Jesus, um... How many of them are telling people that they're going to hell? Like, so think about the other 80% of people who are not saved in a relationship with Jesus that are headed for, the hell, for hell and eternal death. That is so sad to think about. Um, this should fire us up just to think about all the people that we know that um, are headed for this place. I constantly think of um, just unsaved family members, especially my brother. This actually used to be the reason why, as a kid, I used to evangelize because... Um, I just couldn't um, pass by people without thinking of my brother and thinking, you know, Jesus loves my brother just as much as he loves these people, and I want to see my brother saved. I don't want to see him burning in hell forever. I want to see him with me in heaven and know that he has hope in Jesus, and I want the rest of the world to see that. So we should have that kind of passion, um, just knowing that the people around us are um, our children of wrath is what the Bible says. Um, before we were children of God, we were children of wrath. We don't like to think about that, but um, Jesus is the only one that can truly save. John 3.18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Um, this is just a heavy verse. Um, He who believes in him is not condemned. So obviously as Christians we are not condemned because we have received the grace of Jesus. Um, People are walking in condemnation. They're walking in hopelessness. And they put their faith in the wrong thing. We want them to put their faith in Jesus Christ alone. But he who does not believe is condemned already. They are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. People, how are they going to know that they are condemned if we don't tell them? And that there's a way out. Um, if they don't know they're trapped, how they gonna how are they gonna know the escape route? So um, we need to be people who live by faith, who walk by faith, knowing that there are people out there who are ultimately condemned. We don't want to live um, like. Jehovah's Witnesses is the first thing that I think of. They don't believe in hell. We don't want to close our eyes and say, no, I don't believe um, that people are going there because it scares me too much to share the gospel. If your faith in Jesus Christ has really changed you, you're going to want to see others come to the same place that you've been. You want to see others change the way that you've been changed. Um, And with that in mind, we're going to talk about the next essential. We're going to bring up David, who's going to talk about boldness.
6: Good morning, church. Beautiful day, right? Um, talking about the third essential. First, got to understand what God has done for us at the cross. Dying for us, dying for our sins, and covering us with his um, blood. Um, do we really believe that? It's a really good question. Um, when we truly believe in what he's done for us, then we can go out and share our faith with people. And we do that by being bold. One of the misconceptions is that when we're bold, we don't have fear. But in reality, it's pressing on through the fear and sharing our faith. And um, I was just thinking about this this morning, how we, many of us have encountered sales associates when we go to the mall, when we go to a, a dealership, and how um, they believe in what they're selling us, right? Now, hear me out, church. I'm not talking and I'm not comparing by no means the power of the gospel um, to a product that people sell to us. But we see how people apply these things to our everyday life. Now, we have to believe in the gospel and rely on the Holy Spirit, rely on the power of the gospel to go out and share our faith with people. Um, It says that, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is in the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Now, when we go out and uh, witness to people what the gospel has done in our lives, are we afraid of telling them the truth of what the word of God says? Um, we have a quick video here that it shows a representation of what boldness looks like.
7: I just
6: amen you know the word of god tells us that the righteous are as bold as lions and we have to believe what the word of god tells us right we have to go out and share our faith with people Um, with that being said i'll welcome my brother jay to present the next uh, essential good morning everyone how's
3: everyone doing so we're going to talk about the fourth essential, which is obedience. Um, obedience is a very very important essential in our walk with God. In a way, if you take that out, it all crumbles down. Without obedience, it's impossible to have a relationship with Him. Um, and what is obedience? Obedience basically doing what you're told. That easy. Um, sorry if I'm talking too low, I've got a sore throat today. Um, but yeah, obedience is also a surrender life. Um, it's grabbing everything you want, everything you desire, everything you hope for, and just putting them on Jesus' feet. It's not easy, it's something I struggle with, I don't know if you all struggle with it till this day, um, but I certainly do, um. But it's always, what always keeps me going forward is um, whatever he has is way better than what I can come up with. And that is very, it gives you like that energy, be obedient. It's also motivated by love, not duty. Um, I don't know if any here are parents, I'm pretty sure, and grandparents. And, um, but you will want your child to love you out of love and not of duty. And I've seen relationships where they love out of duty and it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Um, The same is with God. Behind the Lord, there's a heart bigger than ours. And it actually looks for a relationship in love, not in duty. Just like every father and friends even, you wouldn't like somebody to be your friend because they're paying you. (laughs) Um, You would like them to be your friend because they appreciate you for who you are. And God's the same way. I believe we take that from him. That's why he created us in the first place, because he wanted to share with us his life and existence, and he wants us to accept him with love and not duty. If you love me, keep my commandments. Of course, if you love the Lord, you will keep his commandments. If you love your friend, you know there's boundaries. People only think of commandments as rules, as um, uh, a method God made to just control us. And no, there are actually boundaries to have a relationship with Christ. Um, there are many things that we're expected to do and expected not to do when we engage in friendships. And the same is with the Lord. There's thing, and The sad thing is that we still cross those boundaries um, and will continue to, unfortunately, because of who we are. But We love him because he was faithful when we were unfaithful. And also, um, if you love me, it says, why do we love him? Like, I, I would like for all of you, like, I don't know what time today in your life, but take time apart and ask yourself, why do I love God? Why do I still go to church? Why do I still congregate with others? Um, I feel that's something we need to always like ask ourselves because we can just clearly just go to serve for duty and not love. What is the gospel? It's a simple message. Thank God. Um, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't know about you, but. Um, if I had a son, and, and I'm a good father, I wouldn't sacrifice him for the lives of other people that might not be grateful for it, that might stray from it, that might make, make it seem like it was for nothing, but the Lord did so. That's how big his love is for us, and that's the message. Basically, God's love is so big that he sent himself to, to die for us. Um, I read this quote once, and I'm, I hope that some of you have heard it, but um, it's around the theme that um, a lot of men have tried to become God, but only one God became men. And it's also a symbol of the ultimate obedience. I don't believe that we'll ever be able to stand up to Jesus in obedience Um he made the ultimate obedience which was obey the father and go and sacrifice himself for us and thanks to that we have the word we have salvation and we can be here right now and spread the gospel and have eternal life um so yeah i'm gonna pass it now on to my brother liam to how do we share the gospel
2: all right how's it going guys My name is Liam, as Jay just said, and I'm going to talk to you about how, oh, it's over there, how we share the gospel. Um, So one thing I will say before I get started, this is not like the way to share the gospel. It's not like trademarked and it's like you have to do it this way. This is merely a way for you guys to get started if you've never done it before, but if you have another way that's like, well, I like to do it like this, well, that's totally great. God works in plenty of different ways, and I'm sure we could tell you testimony after testimony of how God's worked in ways that definitely aren't in this PowerPoint today, because God's that good, right? We can't live in him like that, right? So, but we're going to go through a simple process that will help you get started if you've never done it before. So, we use three tools. The first one is gospel tracks. I have one right here. This is a VIP card. It just lets someone know they're a very important person. And you just kind of, I'm going to jump off the stage. You kind of just give it to someone. like, Here you go. Did you get one of these? There you go, Erica. You can keep it. But... um. But yeah, so we use it for two reasons. One, it's an icebreaker. I think in 21st century society, we're kind of uncomfortable with just talking to someone. I don't know, imagine that. But like, it feels kind of weird to just go up to someone and say something. So that gives like the conversation a purpose and gets it started. And then secondly, it has the gospel on it on the back. So you can just leave it with someone if you can't have a full conversation. And I've met people who have gotten saved just through a card just like that, right? So that's really awesome, and God totally uses it. Uh, Secondly, we use five questions. Those are going to be on the next slide, and they're kind of a way to take a conversation from whatever you're talking about, and you kind of hone it into the gospel so you can share it with people. And then finally, we use the Word of God, which is the life changer, and this is the part that's going to actually do the work, and it's going to actually lead people to Christ, right? Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So no matter how good of an orator you think you are, how smooth you think you are, that I'm just going to wow them with my coolness and my cool words, uh, you're not going to do it, right? Because we're fallen people. My own words can't do that. I'm not, even up here, I can't just say what my own words. I need the word of God, right? Because that's the inspired living word of God. In John 1, 1, it says that the word was God and the word is God, right? He equates it to himself. That's how holy it is. So in that way, we use that to transform people's lives. So we are going to go through the five questions right now, and they're super vague, as you'll notice, and that's on purpose. So we really want to respect someone as a person, and we don't want to immediately jump into, like, I guess, shoving the gospel down their throat. Um, We want to hear them out as a person and what their beliefs are. Like, we saw in the Pendulet video that he was so wowed. He's like, he looked me in the eyes. He said that, like, six times, and he's like, he respected me. He knew my show. He knew who I was. So in the same way, we want to do that with the other people we meet, right? We want to respect them as a human being, as someone made in the image of God, so that's why the questions are like they are. So first, do you have any kind of spiritual belief? So you just want to let them talk and hear them out. If they say anything like heretical during any of these conversations, don't immediately like pounce on them for it, right? Because they're of the world. They're not supposed to think like us yet. They haven't been transformed by the power of God. So um, we're just going to hear them out and show them the love of Christ. Uh, two, to you who is Jesus. So this kind of fine-tunes it from where they were saying to more of a, more towards the gospel. Number three, if you died right now, where would you go? So this is super important, because it takes this, whatever you're talking about about the world, I can talk about what's going on in the outside world all day. But as soon as it comes to me, it becomes really personal, right? And it's like, whoa, okay, this is heavy. So we like to take it to that place just to remind them of, like, your mortality, right? And that your life's not forever, and that's, you need to think about that. Number four, if there is a heaven, will you go there? A lot of people will say, oh, I don't believe in heaven. But if they say that, you can usually say, okay, well, hypothetically, if it did, would you go there? And they'll usually follow you out there. Uh, And then the last question ties into that. So why would God let you in? Um, And all of these questions are really trying to find what are they putting their trust in, right? Because everyone puts their trust in something. It doesn't matter who you are. Like Buddhists put their trust in Buddha. Muslims put their trust in Allah. We put our trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. And we want to show them why that's the true hope and that's the truth. So... After that. So we get one really common answer to that last question of why God would let you into heaven. Can any of you guess what it is? Because I'm a good person. Exactly. You guys are on it. Um, yeah, right? I mean, I go to church every day. I pay my taxes. I donate to charity. Helped an old lady across the street in sixth grade. I've got it. I'm good. Um, but we can't do it on our own, right? We know that. That's why we're here, because we need Jesus. Um, our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible says, right? We can't own up to God's standard. It's holy, it's perfect. So we use what we call the good person test to kind of show them that they can't make it on their own. So (laughs) another name for the good person test is the Ten Commandments. It's found in Exodus. I'm sure you know most of them, if not all of them. And we use it for several reasons. One, everyone seems to know it really well. So like when we're talking to someone on the street, even if they've only been to Sunday school, like as a kid once, I'm sure they've seen a little picture on the wall with with all of them laid out, like people seem to know it really well. And it also shows what God wants for his people, right? As, well, this is what God requires of people. And it also shows that we can't make it. I've broken pretty much every one of these, right? We're all fallen people. We can't do this. So as you start going through a couple of them, it just slowly starts to become real that, like, oh, I can't make it on my own. So you just start going through it with them. Like number nine is a great one to start out with. You shall not bear false witness or lie. Have you ever done that? And then they would say, well, of course. I mean, everyone's lied, right? So what does that make you? a liar. And slowly, they start to realize as you go through even just a couple of them that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, right? So we're going to watch a video really quick from Ray Comfort. He's an evangelist. I'm sure a few of you have heard of him. Um, and he uses this method. And watch how effective it is on this guy he's sharing with.
7: So yes. name as the first word, which is called blasphemy. So a judgment name, God bl- judges you by that standard? Are you going to be innocent of God? Yes. Yes, it does. There's nothing more valuable, more valuable than your life, is there? Would you sell one of your eyes for a million dollars? No, sir. Your eyes are precious to you, aren't they? And you better wonder so your soul. Your soul, your wife looks out those, those eyes. And Jesus said, you're to despise the value of your eye compared to the value of your soul. He said, if your eye causes you a sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's better to enter heaven without an eye than to help with both your eyes. And you know what Jesus In Jesus the same
2: way you I love that video. It's awesome. I just, you can really see this guy's expression change, right? He starts out, he's joking, haha. this guy believes in God, whatever. But then slowly, it's like the weight of his sin catches up to him, and he's like, man, I need Jesus, I need a savior, whoever that is, I need him, Right? Um, one thing I will say before we move on, uh, we have a little saying we like to say, it's law to the proud and grace to the humble. So that guy was proud, right? He thought he was making it by his own merits, thought he was following the commandments, thought he had it. Um, so then Ray used the law to break that down. But if someone's down, I just had this happen to me the other day, someone was, um, I was talking to someone on the street and I said, so if you died, where do you think you're going? He said, hell, man, I don't think I'm going to make it to heaven. I just, I don't live that kind of life. Um, And if I had gone and went like, oh, yeah, well, have you lied? Have you stolen? I don't think you're doing really good, man. I think you're going to hell. I I don't want to add insult to injury, right? Like we want to show them the grace of God and what he's done, why he sent his son. So with that, I'm going to pass it on to Trinity, and she's going to talk about the scripture we
8: share with people. Okay, so like Liam was saying, there's three main ways he's talked about too, and I'd say this one's the biggest. Sharing scripture, this is the divinely inspired word of God. Um, So this is the true life changer. Nothing we can say is going to convince them that this is truth. They need to hear it directly from God. So I suggest taking a picture of this, putting it in your phone, having these verses ready so that if you're sharing with someone, you can pull them right up and it applies to whatever the situation Uh, So it says, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This talks about the issue of sin. This puts us all on the same level. I'm not any better than they are because I go to church. I'm human. They're human. That makes us all the same. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, So when we're talking to them, when we're reading this to them, or they're reading it themselves, we need to understand that they... It's not death like everybody dies we need to make sure they understand that this is eternal death this is hell this is more than temporary um, John 3:3 talks about how to have a relationship it says Jesus said to the Jesus answered and said to him most assuredly I say to you unless one is born again he cannot see the kingdom of God um, unless we give up our lives realize that we need Jesus and be willing to to live for him, to have that relationship with him, we can't get to heaven. Uh, That leads into the next verse. It says, John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is not all roads lead to heaven. There's one way. It's not, I can do this on my own. I'm going to be a good person. That's not going to work. Romans 10, 9-10 says, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you've been saved, if someone died on the cross for you, how can you not want to proclaim the gospel to others, to share the good news and the joy that he has brought unto you? Uh, Second Corinthians 515 says, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Again, he died for you. Like, take that to heart. He died for you. How can you not want to live for him? How can you not want to share this with other people and follow what he's been telling us to do? Revelation 320 says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus is knocking on the door of our heart. He's offering us the gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life. How can we, like, turn that down? I don't understand. It's an option. Yes, you can choose that this isn't what I want, but I think that's the wrong choice. (laughs) Um, You're going to be wrong, but you can. You're welcome to that option because Jesus and God, they gave us free will. Um, but Romans 10:17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I would just encourage you, um you can read this to them, but it's honestly probably better if they read it themselves. They come to find the answers themselves. So it's not like Liam said, you're forcing the gospel down their throat. It's not your ideas that you're imposing upon them, but it's the truth that they're realizing. It's the truth that's always been there and that um they can come to know. Uh so next up is going to be Brooke and she's going to talk about some common misconceptions.
9: Hey guys, I'm Brooke. I'm going to be speaking on common misconceptions about salvation. um, There are a lot of people that you'll meet that think that they're saved, but they don't actually understand their salvation. The first common misconception is, I said a prayer, I'm good. The, The truth is, there is no magical prayer that can save anyone. If you were five and you said a prayer, but you never lived your life like a Christian, you are not saved. This is actually a part of my testimony. When I was younger, every Sunday, I would have to say the salvation prayer. And I thought that's what was going to save me from going to hell. I didn't have a relationship. But it's, about the, it's not about the prayer. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're talking with someone who thinks that they are saved because they said a prayer, you can use the father illustration. Say you're two years old and your dad walks out. You don't hear from him or see him. So you're 15, and you come home from school one day. He's sitting at the table, and he says, hey, son, how are you? How was school today? You'd be like, what? Who are you? I don't know you. There was no relationship there. This Salvation is just like this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, and you don't really know him or talk to him, you aren't saved. In Matthew 7:23, Jesus said, depart from me, for I do not know you. This is a scary thought. We should care that people are not putting their trust in a prayer that they said, but rather they know that they are truly born again. The next misconception I wanna talk about is the false idea, I grew up in a Christian home. If you ask someone if they're saved, and they might reply with, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, or my grandma took me to church when I was younger. The truth is, you cannot inherit salvation. It has to be your own faith, your own relationship with Jesus. The final misconception is, I'll say I'm sorry or just ask for forgiveness after I die. By then, it's too late. <laughs> once you've taken your last breath, that's it. The choices you made is how you will be judged. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, Is it appointed once for a man to die, and then comes Judgment. This misconception also shows the person has an unrepentive heart. A good illustration when talking to someone who thinks that they can bargain with God or just ask for forgiveness when they are standing before him is the courtroom illustration. If someone murders someone and goes before the judge on the day of their trial and says, I'm so, so sorry, I will never do it again, would a good judge let them go? No, he would convict them as a guilty person. Let's make it a little more personal. If someone killed your mom, would you want the judge to let that guilty man go free? No, you would want a good and just judge. How much more perfect and just and holy is God? God must punish sin. And this is why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He took the place for us. We are guilty, but he paid our fine, and he took the punishment. So the truth that this courtroom illustration shows is once you're standing before the judge it's too late because you have rejected the only means of salvation the freedom from sin that Jesus offers us the point of our presentation today is so you can help others see their need for Jesus and come to a true saving faith so up next we have Dave who's going to talk about common objections
0: (laughs) praise God Give these guys a little, give these guys a hand. Amen. They're doing really good. Uh, I'm so blessed to see these guys' uh, hearts for the Lord and to see the next generation just really want to get the gospel out. Amen? There's going to be some objections to the gospel, obviously, right? We live in a world that's uh, post-Christian, especially in our culture, and uh, we want to be able to give them answers. You're going to hear this one, the Bible is unreliable. How many of you guys have heard that before? Yeah? We use the acronym MAPS. And by the way, after this class, we do have uh, papers with all the uh, points from this class we'd love to give you after the class so you can use that when you're out there sharing the gospel on the regular. Amen? MAPS. Uh, The first letter is M for manuscripts, eyewitness accounts. Uh, They were written down, right? We have 24,000 copies of the New Testament itself. Um, some of the manuscripts are as early as 50 A.D., which is a snapshot in history compared to most manuscripts, say, like Pla- the writings of Plato or something. The earliest manuscripts we have for him is over 700 years after he was dead. So we have the most accurate book there is in the world. Archaeology. There's been over 25,000 digs in the Holy Land, and all of them are confirming what the Bible testifies to. So if they were fairy tales, you wouldn't be able to dig up proof for what is written down. Amen. Prophecy fulfilled. There's so over 2,000 prophecies fulfilled in the, in the Bible. Think about that. 2,000 prophecies. So someone spoke about what was going to happen in the future, and it actually did. The chances of just eight being fulfilled is 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Now, that's a lot of zeros. So it's basically almost impossible. We, we like to use the analogy of imagine the state of Texas, okay? It's a big state. Who's, who's been to Texas? Anybody? Big place. Imagine it filled with silver dollars two feet deep, okay? And then you mark one of those silver dollars with an X and you throw it somewhere out there in Texas. And then you get a guy, you blindfold him, and you send him out there and he has one chance to just reach down in that pile and pull up that silver dollar with the X. That's that's the analogy of just eight of these being fulfilled. And we have over 2,000 fulfilled. Sanctification. Changed lives, right? The Bible changes people's lives. You know, a lot of people are instructed in religious institutions, and you can be taught and raised um, in a Christian home and learn how to follow Jesus. But a lot of people have just read the Bible and been radically transformed by the power of it. You think about the the disciples, right? Eleven of them were bu- brutally murdered for what they saw with their own eyes—that they saw the resurrected Christ. Amen. And they wouldn't have died for a lie. You might get one man to die for a lie. But all of them died for what they believed was the truth. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We know the Bible is accurate and it's given by God. It's written down by the power of the Holy Spirit through these men who wrote it common objections there is no god the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament shows his handiwork i don't believe there's an atheist in the world cuz the bible says in romans that they suppress the truth and unrighteousness right we can see the design um, the intricacy of the universe and we understand that someone made it everybody does bob ross is a good painter he paints happy little trees right god is a better painter he designed the universe. But a painter, if you see a painting, you don't just go, man, that evolved over millions of years. It actually looks like, you know, someone painted it. <laughs> no, someone actually did paint it. Just as the painting needs must have a painter, so the universe must have a designer, right? We see the intricacies, as I said. From the smallest atom to the galaxies outside of our earth, we see that God designed it all. Other common objections. All roads lead to heaven. This is false. It breaks the law of non-contradiction. Now, the law of non-contradiction says a proposition cannot be both true and false, or a thing cannot both have and have not a given property. Basically, if, I, if you asked for me for a cup of water and I brought you a Coke, you would say that's not a cup of water. It's a Coke, right? It's not both. It's not water and Coke. So something can't be both true and false at the same time. And all the religions of the world contradict each other. Allah said that he was the truth. Buddhism says that it's the truth. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Either he's true or he's lying, right? Either all of them are a lie or one of them's true, and Jesus proved that it was true because he rose from the grave. None of these other people rose from the grave. Jesus rose from the grave, and it's documented that he did. Point of decision. If you are so blessed to lead someone to Christ, you want to ask them some questions to make sure that they're ready to receive Jesus. You want to make sure they understand the gospel, right? As we talked about earlier, it's not just a prayer. It's a heartfelt, it's a, a motivation of my soul, of my life, to say, I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to give my life to him. I believe that he, what he did for me is going to set me free. Amen? You want to ask them, do you believe you're a sinner? Do you understand that you've missed the mark? That you're not going to achieve this on your own. That it's not Jesus plus something. It's not Jesus plus going to church every Sunday. It's not Jesus plus reading my Bible for six hours a day, right? It's Jesus dying on the cross for you. But you understand that you're broken and that you need a Savior. Do you want forgiveness of your sins? Do you understand that if you put your trust in what Jesus did, you're going to be free, right? The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, he'll remove your sin from you. I'm sure some of you have tasted that. (laughs) Amen, I have. I'm, I'm so thankful for the forgiveness of God. That he set me free. I want to tell everybody about it. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again? That's an important piece of that. That he rose from the grave. Listen, what good is a dead savior? Right? None of these other men have rose. Jesus rose and he conquered sin, death, and hell on your behalf. He did it for you. If you put your trust in him, you'll be free. Are you willing to surrender your life to Christ? As Trinity pointed out in the scriptures, it's a surrender. It's putting all your trust in him and Allowing him to control your life every hope dream everything that you have saying lord I believe what you have for me is better and my life is yours And if you do that, the lord will bless you with salvation Don't be discouraged I think all of us are a little bit discouraged when we get out there and think well someone's going to reject me Jesus said he That they would (laughs) He said they'll hate you You don't find that in the pocket promise book, right? They'll hate you because of me Uh, But it's true um, the, the world doesn't want to receive the message, but listen, if you talk to ten people that don't want Christ and the eleventh accepts him, isn't it worth it? And some people will come to Christ and let them mock you, let them ridicule you. First Peter four fourteen, if you are reproached or hated, for my name for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed, but on your part he is glorified. It's a win win situation. If they reject you, you're still blessed. You're still encouraged, and the Holy Spirit's still with you. And you pray that they could come later. You know, I found that a lot of people that are the most antagonistic toward the gospel are closer to being saved than the ones that go, Oh, that's really good for you. I hope, you know, I, <laughs> amen. Someone's clapping back there. I was an antagonistic person. If you talked to me about Jesus, um, you'd know that I didn't like it. <laughs> But God changed my heart, right? It's because it was poking my heart. It was piercing my heart. I knew that it was true, and I didn't want to receive it. But the Lord can break the hardest heart. Amen? I think we're going to see a video next. Is it video, Liam? Yeah. So we're going to watch a quick little video about 10th Hour Project, which is who, uh, the project that all these guys are involved in. And then I'll give you a little bit of uh, more information about it. It's broken. Never mind. <laughs> Liam just said, it's busted. Um, basically, it's a, just a promo video. If you guys have questions about our class, we'd love to talk to you. Um, out, we have a table out here, um, and we'd love to pray with you, talk to you. As I said, we have all the points from this class um, on a piece of paper out there. Um, you can check out our ministries online, agentsforchrist.org. Um, just shares about everything that's going on with our ministry. 10thhour.org is this, this project that we're involved in now. And then ugandakidsproject.org uh, also tells all about our, our ministry. You can get involved in a lot of different ways. You can help support the ministry. You can go on a short-term mission to Uganda. Um, you can send a young person to the 10th Hour Project. And you can just pray for us in general. Amen. We want to thank you guys um, so much for having us. The girls are going to come up and lead, lead a song. My wife wants me to explain the program. So... Basically, Tenth Hour Project is an eight-month, or eight, yeah, eight months, a gap year program for young adults ages 18 to 26 to really just get a foundation in the Word of God. Maybe before they go to college, maybe they take a break from college and come with, for eight months. Basically, you spend three months on campus in New Mexico, Las Cruces, New Mexico. We have a beautiful campus there with dorms there. Right at the base of the Oregon Mountains, really a place to just get away, seek Jesus, and study the Word of God. You'll be studying theology, apologetics, evangelism, and more. Um, five weeks of that time is spent on the road. That's what we're doing here. You up, you'll be on the road uh, teaching others how to share the gospel, sharing testimonies, and just learning how to be bold in the name of Christ. Uh, three months in, serving in Uganda, Africa. So after this, they'll all be heading to Uganda for three months. They'll be working with the Uganda Kids Project, tutoring in English, helping build houses, working at the medical center, the church, and just getting a, a full missions experience over there. And then two weeks back on campus in Las Cruces, Las Cruces to seek the Lord as to, Lord, what's, what do you have for me? What's next in my life? Um, whether they're going to go into full-time ministry or maybe they're going to be a plumber, it doesn't matter what you're going to do as long as you're living life on mission, right? And that is the goal of this ministry, is that the, the next generation will understand that no matter what they do for a career, they're li- they're living life on mission to win souls for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And uh, the girls are going to come up and close in a song. Father, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity to be